Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. It's a coach special. We're going to talk about special coaches, comments and everything. Uh, in light of weak gutted dogs, we believe dogs are the best people. This is the Love Sport Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Just a precursor for this uh, podcast as well. Uh, generally, we are a much cleaner podcast. I will say tonight, we'll have some choice words in there. Um, most of it recorded from coaches. Um, sometimes John and I, um, never Pete, will slip through with a few. But this is the warning for the podcast. There will be some words you probably don't want your children to hear. So if you've got Apple Bluetooth or something in your car, uh, AirPlay, maybe don't play this episode. Rodney Eid going absolutely off tap. Oh, poor Will Minson. Come on, Mitch! Fucking work, Mitch! Go, Eidy. So is he just not working hard? Fuck you, Will! Right, okay. No, no, no. Fucking run, Will! We do apologise for the swearing, but this is the Love Sport podcast. Rocket, rocket, rocket! We can't think. We Rocket's can't still think. going. This is in the this is okay. in the commentary box, boys. Just be aware, this assistant coach is trying to think here, and Rodney is going absolutely bonkers. We apologise for anyone with uh, offence to that term, but Rodney E did say all of this. Who do you have to pick up, you? Who, is it fucking black and white or what? Who do you pick up, you? Let's go. And we last fucking two minutes. Can't you fucking get him? Big time it comes to take a fucking kick. Can you, can you not get to pick him up by the time it gets from there to there? Whoever's in the fucking box. There's fucking three big ones at the back. Yeah. Oh, no, he's let's go one of them. Hey? He's let's go one of them. Well, credit and the fucking two other big fuckers. So what do we do? You, big Lesko. If one of the other scores, I don't fucking blame you. Right. And you pick your fucking man up. And if it's the spare man, I take the fucking blame. It's in fucking black and white, Gaffer. You pick up who's ever fucking there. So let's go, has got nobody on him, has he? He's, he's, he's marking him. Jason, man. Fucking over there, he's under you. got a point of a fuck's sake, he's bouncing, he's holding the fucker in. Fucking over there, he's bouncing. Here's the team. Technical against the bench and against Bob Knight. Steve Reed, an excellent free throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technicals. Ralph 
It's 11 to 6. We're just five minutes into the contest, and this has erupted. There's a good chance Bobby Knight's been ejected from this basketball game. Podcast, it's Paul and John tonight. Uh, Pete has a game, so he'll be doing a preseason game. So good luck to Super Pete. Um, and I'm sure he would have been able to contribute to tonight's show. So we usually touch on the EPL. Congratulations, John, on Newcastle winning their first game and Villa imploding after one. You must be Thank feeling you. pretty good. No, I appreciate your kind um, thoughts and, and uh, including me in, as part of that win. It was indeed a wonderful night. And as uh, others would say, onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards and uh, looking very good. And you've still got a number of signings uh, that, that could eventuate in the next few months. Um, in the AFL, just briefly, uh, Brisbane gave John a scare again, but recovered and, and finished off a extremely disappointing Carlton. Uh, and my Tigers have their fate in their own hands. So the sporting world is doing us wonders. Uh, you had a heavy day of coaching again, mate. So, uh, or a heavy afternoon of school and coaching and you feeling okay? No, look, a long two days out in the sun doing um, some cricket coaching and selections for, you know, um, representative teams going to state stuff. So it was good. It was cricket was great. Well, good oh. to be on turf and 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 spend a day out there uh, just watching some bowling and batting and feeling. It was awesome. Great day, it, actually. It makes you, want to, uh, makes you want to put the pads on and have a hit every time I did that kind of stuff. You, you kind of do still want to put the pads on and have a hit, don't you reckon? Indeed. Not a time goes by when you don't think, of, you know, what now's the time, but it's not really anymore. No, I'd pull a hammy after um, <laughs> after trying to take off. Mates, um, I know you're not a weak gutted dog at all, um, but that's kind of where this uh, podcast is going tonight. Um, Ricky Stewart inspired us to think about a podcast where coaches have just lost support. Um, just touching on the Ricky Stewart one, he was banned for one week for his comments, and we've got the uh, recording in the start of this podcast, and he was given a $25,000 fine. I do want to touch on this. I think the fines are absolutely useless for someone who's already got $135,000 history in fines. Finding him another $25,000, I don't see the point in that. If you're going to go all in, you go all in, you give him a couple of weeks. I'm not sure what your thoughts are. No, I think it's high time they took the step that they just did. They suspend players all the time. Yep. Yep. The fines don't seem to really hit the mark in a lot of sports, do they? No. And, um, you know, I nearly fell out of my chair when I saw the footage of, of um, Ricky Stewart. I, I can't remember if it was Sunday when I saw it or, or Monday. Yep. Um, and the overwhelming emotion I felt like since is I, I'm embarrassed. Um, I, find, I find his... Here's a guy who, for a long period of time, has been just allowed to get away with some of the most boorish behaviour when it comes to uh, press conferences, talking to people, whatever. I don't know the guy on off the field, but I can't imagine he's any different to what he shows out there. And whilst we may, and this is something completely different to the discussions we've had about sports people, about like wearing a heart and sleeve and looking for characters and stuff like that, uh, the coach is the adult in the room. Yeah. And... To say that about now, I don't care what the history is. I find it even more embarrassing. I'm not sure about you when I hear this unnamed players are saying, if only you knew what it is. It's like the kids were 12. Yep. And and if that's the case, I mean, this guy's getting paid a lot of money to run a football club. 
they must have passed through circles, whatever, must have known what was coming. Um, to go, I actually felt like he was reading off a script. Yep. He went back, he thought about it, he had two two drops at it, and um, and quite frankly, I think the one-game suspension is not enough, and I think he should have been put out for the rest of the year because it's just vilification of players. Mate, I, I just think that uh, when all of this happened, and we don't have to go into all of it, but when this happened, the, the kid um, was 12 year old, uh, 12 years old when um, the you know the first incident happened with Ricky Stewart and his son. And saying that someone as 12 years of age was a weak gutted dog when he was 12, and he's a weak gutted dog now. I mean, he's still only 22, and in my mind, at our age, he is still a kid. And from all accounts, um, he is. Um, getting better and better as a human being, which which is all you can do. Um, now, look for my own team. Um, basically, Damien Hardwick a week or two ago um, was at a VFL game and he called them weak, beep beep. But he called basically weak uh, ducking tricks um, about players um, from Williamstown. Now, this is a senior coach at a VFL game, and he's. Uh, you know, calling players in the opposition weak, tricking uh, sticks, if you can read between the lines there. And I just think there's no excuse. It's pretty embarrassing behaviour. Look, my kids have called me out for, um, like, if I say to my kids, I haven't sworn at the football, they'll go, yes, you did. You said the S word. And so they hear everything. They see everything. I don't care what people say. We are the standards for what our kids see and do. And, and, and coaches, they do get paid well enough. They they know what they're doing. Look, there are emotions and there's times to say all kinds of things to different people and different individuals. Um, and, you know, you always have to be aware of your behaviour, whether if you're a member of the public or a high-profile football coach and what you say about people and, and what you do. Look, I mean, I, I have to be honest. I, you know, stand on the sideline, calling the team weak or crap or soft or whatever. I don't really care about that. I've got to be on I've got to be honest. Um because it's in a form of context of a private conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I do hear what you're saying. I, because I, somebody I, leans over someone's shoulder and says they heard them say that. Well, to me, you know, I don't know who the snitchy poo is who's talking about. You know, don't don't be an anonymous source when it comes to stuff like that. No, don't be an anonymous source. That's that's because you could literally say whatever you want. If you're going to have, if you're um, if you're saying there's a standard to be set and you call the action out. If Hardwick went into a press conference later on that day after the game and the press asked him a question, said, "What do you think of Williamstown's performance today?" and he said, "There are a bunch of weak." (laughs) Well, we've got a different story on our hand. Yep, and. The term weak, whatever. I don't, look, it, there was it wasn't the weak part of it that got me with um, Ricky Stewart. It was no. the context of the three words together. So, do you also think it's the act? Like, if, if if Ricky Stewart or any other coach came out and said that that act was a weak, you know, dog act, that's completely different, I think, than calling someone a weak, gutted dog. Uh, if you said the act was, I don't think it would even be a story. I think it might be a slight story. And a lot of people go, yeah, maybe it was a bit of a weak act kicking out at someone in, you know near their groin area. No, I don't care about that. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't care. About, I, I'm not worried about that. Like the, the, you know, if it's an act of foul play or whatever. I mean, the coach is entitled to have a 
yeah, that's position on that. I'm not able to care about someone, that. You, you, you framed someone in their entirety as that. That's and that's one of the things that's incensed a lot of people. And 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 going back to an incident ten years ago when a kid was twelve, and to say that he was a weak kid then, I mean that's pathetic. I, I, I'm sorry that that shows someone who's really petty and holds on to just really ordinary stuff. And I've lost any respect I've got for that guy. I, I honestly have. I don't think um, it would have mattered what happened in that game. Mm. I think that at some point. The way that Ricky Stewart was talking, he was waiting. He was waiting for a chance to to use that stuff on that particular player. Mate, there has been some hilarious meltdowns, and we've got some recordings of them. Um, one of them was years ago, and it was um, Malcolm Blight. Uh, at that stage, was coaching uh, Adelaide, and Adelaide were uh, sorry, yeah, he was coaching Adelaide. And Adelaide were having a fantastic uh, run at that stage as well. Um, and and Blighty was, and we got the recording here. Um, for you, so you can hear it in a moment. But um, he basically says, uh, to start, what that means we won't win, particularly with a pathetic ec- uh, effort from Pittman in the ruck. <laughs> um, and he then goes on, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big fella. And that's pretty hard on an individual, but he's got to live with that. So he's done that post-interview. So he's had time to think about it. And I thought, I'll go and look up I looked up there and heard it, and he did say that. But then um, I went and read some stories from uh, David Pittman, and he said he copped, he'd, he'd injured himself in the game. Like, he, he had a hamstring tear, and um, they had no big men left. So they, they had all these injuries. He copped a spray at quarter time, a spray at half time, a spray at three-quarter time <laughs> after the game. And then he gets home, and he's recovering, and then he hears that press conference about him. And he goes, I laugh now, but geez, I was mortified at the time. That's pretty harsh on one guy. There are plenty of coaches, though, who well, you know, doing it out in the open like that. And this is the art, the art and science, of, if you like, of coaching, isn't it? It's like, who's the person that I can actually go at who can deal with the criticism? Exactly. And who can't. Yeah. So, and that's what I was saying before in the wider context of coaching within in house. Are you talking like? I mean, what, I only said on this podcast last week, and I made a point of the fact that I was on my hands and knees begging for for the coach of the Lions to go out to the team three quarter time, throw the book on the ground, and start getting in people's faces. Sometimes for for a coach, just like, once, just once in a while. Yeah, just, I was, I was about it. to say Fagan's a very. Um, calculated, he's a very caring and empathetic coach, but sometimes you just want him to go nuts because that would have an effect on your team because they're going, holy crap, our coach who's really chill has just gone nuts. And you do sometimes almost beg your coach to do that. Coach is um, a teacher, right? And, and, and any teacher, um, if you have a teacher who screams and yells all the time and goes yep. straight for the nuclear option, no, yep. no one listens to him. But if oh, you've my- got one who's calm and, and laid back, um, and or like you know, everyone knows that they really, you know, like being with that group or whatever. If they if they blow a gasket about something, you know, it means something. Well, mate, I'll um I'll touch on a couple of AFL ones, and I'll let you come in and uh, trying to keep my eyes open, mate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't believe how tired I feel. Anyway, it's all good. I hope oh, I don't sound it, too too drunk. No, you're up, sounding, you're sounding fantastic, mate. Look, I'll chuck a couple of AFL ones in that were actually uh. Uh, recollections from players as opposed to stuff we could find. But uh, 1999 grand final, Cam Mooney uh, at this stage was playing for North Melbourne before he went on and and had a good career at Geelong. And there's three minutes to go in the grand final, right? Yes. They're 30 points up. 
runner comes out and drags Cam Mooney off. Now, Cam Mooney, I think this is a pretty famous one. I think he only had, he either had zero or one possession for the whole game in a winning grand final, right? Yeah. So 30 points up, about to win the flag. And Cam Mooney says, I had the phone handed to me. Dennis Pagan called me everything under the sun. But the one that stuck with me the most was, your mum and dad should never have had you. And this was three minutes left in the grand final and they were five goals up. Wow. And, and, and so it's those kind of ones. Cam Mooney said that stayed with him the rest of his career, right? Um, and, that, and, but the, and, and in saying that, he went... So even if you, if by today's standards, you, you probably couldn't say it to a player, right? But Pagan, and that was that breed of, of, of coach, and they're, not, they're, they're sort of a dying breed now. Um, very successful, awesome coaches. But he went straight to the person and he said it to them. He didn't go into a press conference and just drop it out there. Oh, well, totally. He and Cam Mooney's a guy. He wouldn't really, how hard is Dennis Pagan to do that to a guy like Cam Mooney, who everyone knew was uh, living on the edge anyway? But don't you think that's nuts, though? Like, you've won the grand final. You're just about to win a grand final, and and it's it just goes to show like they don't switch off these guys. Like I can imagine some of the stuff um, Craig Bellamy would have said over the years, mate. Which the players, I'm sure, are, are well and truly holding back at this point until he's uh, finished coaching. But imagine some of the stuff Bellamy would have said over the years. Oh yeah, Lee Matthews. Oh Lee Matthews, mate. Then. Um, uh, Ron Barassi said uh, many, many famous ones, mate. And um, I'll try and find a clip for him. But there was once a, a guy called uh, Dean McRae uh, who was copying a whole heap from one Barassi. And there's another one I'll put up a bit later on um, from Tony Elshaw, I think, which is an absolute classic. So I'll, I'll try and get that into the podcast. But Dean McRae um, comes back and says he was in, he was in a practice match. Uh, and he kicked out from full back and he turned it over to the opposition. Anyway, at half time, Brassie's given the speech. He looks at Dean and he looks at the rest of the team. And everyone goes silent. And he goes, The sooner we get that C bomb out of the club, the better off we'll be. This is in a, pra- in a practice match. In, si- waited for everyone to be silent, looked at the play, looked at everyone and said that. Now, McCray just went, Wow. Yep, that's Brass. And there's so many of those. Have they things. spoken since? Uh, I don't know, but he he, he uh, recollected that one with a bit of a laugh. So, um, you know, you're right. Would they get away with half of these now? They probably wouldn't, mate. Sends a pretty solid message right across the bow of all the players though at that practice session, doesn't it? That uh, you're better get moving. I mean, the the, the old Roman uh, legion legionnaires practice of uh, decimation. Everyone knows what it means to get decimated. They've heard that term, we got decimated, but most people don't know what that means. No, they don't. And and so it's that sometimes you have to lose some or be prepared to lose someone on the way to actually send a message. Now, I obviously decimation is a tough way of doing it, but that's essentially the the, the modern day coaching version of that, isn't it? Yeah, and look, you coach. Um, uh, Pete's a really good coach. I've only just got back into coaching and it's so... The, the line of what we could have said years ago, and we know what the right thing is to say and, and what you can do now is is very, very different. Um, have you got any examples there, mate? I know you haven't had the time to really prepare for this one. Oh, well, you're joking. He was always a classic at Newcastle. Oh, and everywhere 100%. he was. Um, everyone, well, maybe not everyone does know this, but um, Joe's nickname was JFK, Joe Kinnear. You can work out what the F is for. 
And can um, I just say, I'm so happy you have brought him up because I've actually got him down and I thought, I'll just wait and see if John brings him up. Because I have he's, a... he's up there with Sticky, mate. Like, I mean, let, let, let's no one out there be be um, under any misapprehension. We've been talking amongst ourselves and amongst friends about Ricky Stewart stuff for years. I mean, he's he's famous for his um, for his stuff. And, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how Canberra managed to keep him in that seat for so long. No, no. Well, mate, I'll come back to Joe Kinnear for one moment. Des Hasley used to be a good one too. Still oh, yes. is. Absolutely. But I've got to take my hat off to Des Hasley. I thought two weeks ago or whatever it was when they were doing the women in the women in league round. Yep. And there was a strange jersey they tried to put out um, to celebrate women in league. Um, his press conference after that event was really quite brilliant. I thought so as well, mate. I thought so as well. But, look, I do have to come back to Joe Kinnear for you because I couldn't mm. find the interview. But um, his first press uh, <laughs> his first press conference at Newcastle United when he was mm. a manager, they've recorded 52 uh, swear words and not gentle ones either in his first press, press conference. You can um, read from that that the local press wasn't too keen on his appointment. No, he also called him something that might rhyme with drop punt. He called the journalist a bunch of drop punts on a few occasions. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> shouldn't laugh, but of course, but look, you got to remember he came in and he was replacing Kevin Keegan. I mean, the thing was at that point, you're wondering how people wonder how you know when they talk about coaches losing the dressing room. You know, you wonder how many people wonder why why it was that um, Mike Ashley was so loathed by the by the fans at Newcastle. I mean, one, he, so he makes a big appointment. He brings in Kevin Keegan. That lasts for about six weeks. He he messes him around. Um, he leaves, and then the replacements, Joe Kinnear, and everyone's going, "You're kidding!" Yeah, yeah. A celebration when Joe Kinnear told everyone. Well, I'll never forget it. It's like, oh my god, this this is the new the new gaffers here. You there? Yeah, mate. I'm I'm listening to you, mate. What a guy! You. What a guy! But sadly, I'm just looking him up now and reliving the memories with some looking at some headlines and it says he was suffering from dementia. Yeah, he is. And um, um, anyone who is, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all think of those people. We do, mate. Um, I do have. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you listening back to the podcast because I've done a little bit, probably six or seven minutes of um different kind of rants, and you'll like a couple of the ones. And whether Joe Kinnear is in there or not, he may be. Um, but there might be him or someone else who's a Sheffield United manager at the time, and it's it's one of those brilliant um back and forwards between players in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, and you know some of the some of the coaches I thought. Lost support, but I absolutely loved Mike. Mike Ditka from uh, the Bears back in the day. He would tell people in press conferences to shut the hell up. You know, when press conferences were open and stuff. Um, I oh, mate, I've got some um, a couple. You know, you, 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 the context of of Mike Ditka's prickly um, relationship with the press was um, was one that was based upon the fact that his defensive coordinator, the the Bears, won the their one and their one and only Super Bowl. In 1985, um, and their defensive coordinator was was basically the guy who masterminded that. Yeah, and he was one of the biggest names 
in the history of the NFL. And do you know who I'm talking about, Paul? And 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 Ditko never really forgave the the Chicago. They didn't really rate him no. based on that. Even though Ditko's like a Hall of Fame player in his own right. Um. Yeah. So I'm trying. Oh, it's Buddy Ryan. That's who it was. Yeah. Um, remember right. So the great Buddy Ryan, one of the greatest uh, defensive coaches. Lots of ways you could argue the single greatest defensive mind in the history of um, NFL. Certainly, I engineered the greatest defense up until that time at Chicago and almost took uh, the Philadelphia Eagles all the way with one of the greatest defenses of all time as well. And the great Reggie White, he was one of his players who started the. There you go. No, absolutely. But Dick was funny because he was a pretty uh, straight talking, working class guy. And, uh, you know, he's one of my favorite listeners in the NFL. Well, mate, one of the he had. If you look it up, he's got millions of quotes, hundreds of thousands of quotes on him. One of my favourites is when he was uh, asked about sports writers at one stage, and he said, "What's the difference between a three-week-old puppy and a sports writer?" No, no. In six weeks, a puppy will stop whining. He just, I just loved it. It was just, you know, we'd rehearsed it, but he still delivered it. You have to deliver those lines as well. There's two um, guys who go to all the different big games, in America, and they're always at the, you know, like so when the Bears play the Packers and whatever, and they always get interviewed in the lead up, and they, they both dress up as Mike Dick and take a cigar, and they wear one of those big, stupid, like blue um, vests that he wore with a C on it. Yep. Yeah. And they're so good. And it's, it's, geez, it's funny. And Mike Dick loves them too. He's funny, right? Well, he was asked. He was asked about soccer years ago as well, or football for you know soccer. And he said, if God wanted man to play soccer, he would have. Uh, he wouldn't have given us arms. And the, the kind of I, what I love about that, and a lot of people didn't pick up on it, it's this uh, silly Will Ferrell kind of kids comedy called Kicking and Screaming, mm. where Will Ferrell ends up um, coaching against his dad in in you know kids kids soccer, and he actually gets Mike Ditka to be his uh, assistant coach. And mm-hmm. So the irony or coincidence of that, I don't think many people picked up on it because he used to bag soccer all the time. So I loved it. I mean, it was a silly movie, but having Mike Ditka in there was uh, fantastic. What about uh, Fergie, mate? He- well, Love Sport Podcast is absolutely the podcast I've ever heard. I cannot believe it. And you, you people listen to it absolutely. And I cannot believe the kind of people that you are. Anyway, you can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. You can also join our group. And if you do, you're an absolute legend. I'm proud of him. I tell you what, he's always like a forgotten man. Ah, uh, shut up. Here, have a quarter and make a phone call. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut, jerk. Dick kiss. <laughs> Oh, I love Mike Ditka. I mean, you could play minutes worth of Mike Ditka's rants. Absolute legendary Chicago Bears coach. Not funny. I was trying to tell the guy seriously. I wasn't trying to be funny with the guy because if I would have got a hold of him, I wouldn't have been funny with him. It had nothing to do with fun. It had nothing to do with being funny. But this will be the big deal. Let's do this. Let's forget who we're playing this week and just write about how funny I am. <laughs> and then we'll have a good time. And we couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We the second half we we couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball and went down and got points, we got our.
totally kicked the second half. Hey, listen, don't talk to me, all right? Knock it off! We've got to be the dumbest team in America in terms of playing the game. And I'm highly critical because of the way we give games away. We give them away, period. And uh, it's embarrassing, and I represent that, and uh, I apologize for that. But that's the best we can do. Uh, that's a sad product. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. I couldn't give a rat's toss bag whether he thought I could coach or anyone thinks I can coach or could play. I don't care. Have an opinion. We all have an opinion. But when he talked about commitment to St Kilda, for the time I was there, it's absolute garbage, made by a very naive person. Say I couldn't coach Stephen. Say I made the wrong call. Say I said something to the wrong. Say I said something bad. All I did was handle some egos, tried to handle some egos with a very bad football club that had won two games a year before. He would have had a million. Um, imagine now if the coverage is the way it is now with Fergie in his heyday. You know, he threw that boot, obviously, at Beckham in, what was that, 20, 2002, 2003, something like that. He threw the boot and it hit Beckham in the head. Yeah. Um, imagine some of the stuff he would have said in the day. And it was perfect for the time, though, wasn't it? I, I think it was perfect for that time. Oh, yeah, well, they've never been the same since they let him walk out. Well, he walked out the door, have they? Yeah, exactly, mate. And nothing's changing in a hurry by the look of it. He would have had some absolute rippers, I think, mate. I don't think there's any way he would have let them. He might, do you reckon Fergie sits back and just sort of looks at it and goes, you know, uh, I could still do better. Obviously, that man, you. I'm sure. I, I've got no doubt. I've got no doubt he would think that. And he probably would, to be honest. But he maybe, maybe he wouldn't with the modern player because um, this is the thing. Could he actually get away with saying anything to a modern player? I mean, you'd have to respect Fergie and his record, but this is what, you know, maybe the modern player wouldn't listen to him. Uh, yeah, some people command respect, man. Yeah, and I think he definitely would, mate. Um, you know, I, I look at guys like Harry Redknapp, and I did love I did love Harry's uh, press conferences. Um, and there was one where he was asked, uh, uh, you know, you made your name as a wheeler and dealer. And he basically said, I'm not a wheeler and dealer, but guess what? You can... Off. Um, that, was, that was in a that was in a TV press conference. So yeah, well, they were accusing him of all kinds of things, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. But I do I do enjoy the old uh, dropping the f bomb in that situation, especially with his accent as well. Harry's oh, awesome. Just like uh, I used to like listening to Terry Venables. Oh, mate. The look. I think that I suppose the point. I suppose the point of tonight's podcast was to have something a bit different, but. The, the point being is the times have changed. What's acceptable is not as, as acceptable now. And and people say, you know, why wouldn't someone like Matty Johns, for example, why wouldn't he want to be a coach? And Matty Johns has talked about it. He said, it's not the coaching. You're there day in, day out, and that is a grind. And you know what it's like to coach. It is a grind. But then you've also got to do the media statements. You've got to do the press conferences. You've got to do the sponsorship stuff. And the coaches did not have to do as much of that back in the day. No. So, so that, I'm just you know, saying this. I'm just doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing a bite, dude. Sorry about that. 
Well, is it frozen grapes? Are you having frozen grapes at all? Because Mike Ditka did love his frozen grapes. It's actually a Scotch egg made by Paul Gaffer. Oh, how good's that? Mm. Oh, I love it. Because Lou, um, Lou found it on the bench because I just had to plug in the computer because it's running out of charge. And Lou found it on the bench. She's looking at it. So I think she thought it was like a deep fried donut or ice cream or something. I mean, look, we could have another. I, I think, you know, we, we could definitely have another podcast that would be about player rants. And, and in, in that one, I'd love to get people's ideas on that. I mean, I think. Um, Eric Cantona would be good there with some of his rants and some of his quotes. Um, oh, who was the guy who played for Man U and Juventus? The, oh, my God, I've just gone completely blank. The striker with the ponytail who considers himself the best player he's ever played. Oh, the um, Norwegian guy. Oh, the, no. scout, the Swedish guy. Yes, uh, Ibrahimovic. I, I mean, those well, kind of guys. So, have we ever had a discussion about him? Oh, we definitely have touched on him, but I... I Mate, oh, he you, blows, you, lucky he blows his own trumpet. Some guys just get on a little merry-go-round around all these big clubs. It's like, really? Yeah, well, Pogba's pretty similar, mate, in that regard. Oh. I mean, you know, I want to see the res- – I don't care how skilled you are. I want to see the results on the pitch. But Ibra- Ibrahimovic has done some remarkable stuff, some of the greatest highlights I've ever seen. But, mm. um, you know, I think he might like himself a little bit more. Mate, it's um, – been a bit of a strange podcast night, a little bit different. Um, so is there anything that you wanted to touch on there in terms of coach blowouts or, or anything like that? Mm. Sorry. Um, well, I used to love listening to Warney talking about what the value of a cricket coach actually was. Oh, he, he wasn't the biggest fan of... Uh, no, he wasn't interested at all. I don't think that him and, um, him and John Buchanan seem real close. Um, well, Warren Ryan. I remember when Warren Ryan, um, after he finished coaching, uh, lost his job at the ABC. It wasn't even a spray, he was just having a joke behind the uh, microphone. Yep. Um, I hate it when things end like that. Um, that what do they call that? A hot mic that's called a few people out over the years. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think around press conferences, I think. I do think one of the things is that quite obviously is that the relationship between journalists and coaches and players is through the toilet these days and they have no regard whatsoever for each other. So um, people are quite happy to just... I think that's really really sad, mate. And and I think a lot of it, I'm not a lot of it, I think a big part of it has to do with the trust that was built up over the years... um, the journalists got to know the team. So a lot of journalists would be assigned to a team. Whether yeah, getting was, better with the side and all that, yeah. Yeah, whether that was the EPL or the old VFL in, in Australian football, they, they seemed to be assigned to the club and they got to know everyone and there was that little bit of respect. Um, and, and, and I think with social media and needing to break the story first instead of actually writing a story... We're all guilty of this because we want the immediacy, don't we? We we look at Twitter or Facebook or we look at our web pages for a, a transfer or a story instead of waiting for the story to actually come out. So we're all to actually blame for this. Well, this is quite honest, okay? So and and, and I guess this is going down the track of talking about and, and sometimes you need to reflect as a fan or as, you know, being a let's call ourselves commentators just to blow up our tires for what we're doing here, right? But you know, 
the only times that I actually would live watch a Dennis, a Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan, Chris Fagan, a Chris Fagan um, press conference, or most of the teams I follow, is usually when something's gone wrong. Yeah. To see what their reaction is and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that might be part of it. And, um, I mean, there is that fascination with seeing how people deal with complete, uh, you know, with everything turning into complete dross for them. And so every coach, that's the reality of coaching, is that there's going to be days where you lose big games. And and I think that, but in all, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, is that I think most of the time is that when they go into a press conference, you can say what you're saying stuff about the other team is fine. And I'm not into everyone giving pats on the back to everyone in the opposition all the time. So, oh, my God, those guys were just fans. You know what I mean? Yep. But I just think that the way that Ricky Stewart handled that, just it gave you a little – when you're angry, you kind of open up a window to your soul that, yep. and you let people see just sometimes what's in there. And, you know, Ricky let something pretty dark out there and – I would hope that he actually comes up with something better than one of those scripted apologies. Um, and and I think he really deserved more than a week. Well, I think you made a really salient point there. Um, not not the salt water side of it. Um, but mm. You made a really good point. These coaches actually have, they don't go straight from the ground to a press conference. There's, there's, there's quite a bit of time between the end of the game and a press conference. So they've had time. They've spoken to their media people. They've spoken to their players. I know, and I know this firsthand because I've set up media conferences, right? Yeah. They have time. So that anger was still there and he couldn't control himself. So he was just a little boy. And it's really important that people get this, right? Yeah, it wasn't like he was on the ground. No, when they're interviewed on the ground, that is pure emotion. There's no time. You know when they get interviewed at halftime and stuff like that? Yep. There's no time for them to settle down. And he doesn't even have the the fallback that his player was seriously injured by whatever happened. Now, no. That's a, that's a different thing again. Like I say, if the, if the dude had thrown an elbow in, in the guy's face and fractured his jaw, well, you know, I'm going to probably give him a bit of a pass on, you know, having a bit of a go in a press conference. Yeah, it wasn't that. No, no, this was a personal attack, and it was one that's been brewing for a long, long time. And the family of the player have actually said since the incident happened when it was a you know when he was twelve, they've never even spoken to Ricky after that in all those years, ever. So it makes it even worse. He's held on to this for so long and obviously waited for that moment to come at him. Um, well, who knows, you know, who knows how many steps up the actual football ladder has been cut off from this guy yep. because Ricky Stewart said, look, tell you that you can't, you, not him. Yep. I mean, we wouldn't know. Um, I don't know. Is Ricky, Stewart's, well, Ricky Stewart's got a son who played sevens for Australia and somebody who made reserve grade, I think. But um, obviously this guy's getting a little bit further than what he got. His kids got um, so, well, and oh man, you know, I I'm just going to go back to my what I said before. 
I literally fell out of my seat when I heard it first time. Now I've heard it a few times now. Yeah. And so I don't I'm not gonna go on with the whole, you know, the outrage of driving me for, for a year. But no. if you just stack stack upon stack upon stack upon stack of all of the ridiculous statements that and the kind of the biggest irony of all this when it comes to Ricky Stewart is that, that the moment when you could have really understood him just going and completely losing the biscuit, which was that grand final that Cameron clearly, clearly should have won. Yep. And, and really atrocious, um, you know, officiating all round at the back end that cost him that grand final. And he didn't blow up at all. Yeah, it's strange. So how that work out? I don't know. Like, because that, that was, you remember, everyone's waiting for, like, the nuclear spray of all time. And there was just nothing except for, you know, well, you know, if we had got the job done, it would have been this. It's like, huh? What? Well, also a few weeks ago, mate, he was talking about the mental health of his players and being attacked, you know, for different incidents that had happened and everything, and then does this to a kid. It's just, his words are just flat to me now, mate. I've I got to say, I don't watch a lot of press conferences anymore with coaches because they are so dry. Mm. So that's the other side. We, we beg for personalities, right? Yeah. We do beg for personalities and we beg And we acknowledged that earlier in this discussion. Yeah. And, and we, a week before and a week before that. And in so many of our podcasts, we say it. You know, it's a fine line between wanting all these people to be open and say what they can and, and them actually, you know, we're just going to take it one week at a time. Wasn't the best performance. We know that. We're going to go back to training on Tuesday. We're going Full to credit draw... to the other guys. You know, they well, really they, they well, came ready to play, but we weren't. That's and we weren't me. right up to it. You know, that's the one percent difference. You don't want to hear that, and that's why I stopped watching all of the press conferences. Oh, so you know, you got to you got to got to be careful what you wish for. But well, I want to hear people go off tapping in the interviews. I want to see all of that. I just don't want to see them personally attack one player, whether it's from their team or another team, um, and especially with things when they're a bloody kid. I think that's what really got me. The kid was 12 when whatever got your girdle going. But, hey. It must have been pretty bad. Guys, um, Probably wasn't. please, please put up your stuff on Love Sport Podcast, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You can get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach. If you want to put up what your all-time coaching rants uh, are, We'd love it. So we'll put up a link uh, on our uh, Facebook group, Love Sport Podcast. You can always ask to be invited in. Um, we have Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And also, as I said, you can get Paul um, underscore football, John at Lambic Peach and Pete at Pete Nowakowski. I'll put up a link to Coach's Greatest Rants of All Time. I'd love to see some of the stuff you put up there, whether it's from any sport ever, college basketball, where Bobby Knight throws a chair across a court in a big game, whether it's an NFL coach saying, playoffs? What do you mean playoffs? I'd love to win a game. Um, oh, yeah. well, what about Mike Singletree and his players? Um, uh, you know, I can't, I can't use them. <laughs> yes. Can't use these players. Oh, mate, I, I really hope that people – I'll get the link up tonight and I hope that people just put tons in. I'd love to watch some of the all-time meltdowns. Um, you can but, find a lot of great quotes from the great Mike Singletary. And, yes. And, what a, and one of my fav, all-time favourite um, – one of my all-time favourite uh, sports documentaries was about uh, the team 
that great bears, the the great the great uh, monsters of the midway. Uh, yeah. Going back to see Buddy Ryan when he was like, you know, basically, you know, in the final decline of his life uh, in a wheelchair and have, still having cigars with him and stuff like that, and the love that those guys had for each other. But yep. yeah, but, but Singletree was a walking quote, one of the greatest players ever. And Terrible I think coach. I might have, I might have put one of his quotes up in the uh, podcast. We've got about seven. Six he or was seven famous minutes. though for saying, "I'm going to say this about that." <laughs> yes. And then the other thing he would say was, "I'm going to say that about this." Yes. And, oh. and that, that was brilliant, and I just love that quote. And I, and I used it for. I used to use it all the time. You know, you walk around and you start when you start to have conversations with people, and you. And you start to just say stuff. You go, "Oh, I'm saying that now." Oh my gosh! Yep. The worst things in life is uh, one I cannot stop saying, mate. Look, it's been a fun podcast. I know we weren't discussing AFL, NRL, uh, and the EPL. We thought we'd take a break from that. You would have listened to a number of podcasts that had that. I hope this has inspired you to go and think about the times that coaches have got in between the game finishing. And, and and the interviews. And I hope that it also gives you a smile about listening to coaches from the past. Because we may never see this again, John. We might not see these personalities because they're not accepted in the corporate world of sport anymore. No, they're not. And um, you can argue that uh, a lot a lot of the people that we lionise as the greatest coaches of all time wouldn't, you know, wouldn't even get an interview now. No. And uh, in lots of ways, it's a bit of a shame. Exactly right, mate. Any final uh, any final words for the podcast tonight? No, nah, man. I just want to thank everyone for listening to us. Who does listen to us? I really appreciate you. We love to talk and uh, look forward to getting the gang back together soon. And I'm um, really looking forward to. I'm starting to focus a little bit on the NFL season that's coming up, mate. So we might even be able to get Urban Meyer on to have a chat with. He's got nothing to do, does he? No, he doesn't. But look, he'd probably uh, take me, take take me and you to a uh, casino, maybe a strip joint, and then try and put it on some uh, football player's card, mate. What a guy! What a legend, uh, mate. This has been the Love Sport Podcast. You stay well. We hope to hear Pete's dulcet tones. Uh, unfortunately for John, um, later in the week or on the weekend, we will have Up the Villa, the Australian Villas podcast. Um, we'll have a few other guests on that one as well. So, the Digital Love Sport Podcast Network out. Mate, Neil Curley, the great South Australian legend, put a microphone in my face and I said something along the lines that was um, a fairly pathetic effort from David Pittman. And I think I also said it's pretty hard on him, but he'll have to learn from that. To start like that means you won't win, particularly with a pathetic effort from Pittman in Ruck. I mean, it, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that because we got carried away as a team. The whole thing got a fair run, and in fact, by the time I got hold of David and sat down with him on the Monday, it was um, it had sort of got hand <laughs> a fair bit. No, thanks for listening to the Love Sport podcast. We hope you enjoyed some of the craziest coach rants going round. If you want to put any more of them up there, put them on Love Sport podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can put them on the Paul underscore football on Twitter as well. Join in the conversation. Tell us about the craziest coach stories you know. After all, dogs are the best people. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport podcast. <laughs>